Hey guys, Matt from the Mr. BS Show, or Dude on the Couch, if you're a Rebel Scum Report listener. Um, so this is Chapter 7 of Whispers of the Sith. I know, it, it does, it does still exist. Uh, yeah, I know it's been a really long time, way longer than I ever wanted, um, in between ch- uh, chapters, but life happens, um, and you know, needed a recharge. Also, we moved to a new recording program, so the the book quality should be a little bit better. Um, And with that in mind, I've taken the liberty of trying to make uh, one character in particular sound a bit more authentic. So I tried out uh, a robot voice uh, in uh, post-production for G8, uh, please let me know if you guys like it, don't like it, um, if it's hard to understand him, uh, just let me know, uh, let, let the show know, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll work with it or without it. I, I think it's a little bit better with it, but it, it, it probably could use a little changing. So anyway, uh, let me know. Um, that being said, I wanted to once again, thank my entire cast for their patience and willingness to... Uh, in certain cases, redo entire chapters worth of work that they had already done. Um, I know that this is a free project that everybody's doing for fun. It's one of the reasons that I don't like having to, to make you guys do things twice. So thank you very much for everybody that, uh, sat down and did their lines again. And, um, I really hope you guys enjoy the improved sound quality. Um, it will continue to improve as we go as I continue to learn how to make this a better project. So with that in mind, sit back, relax, and enjoy Chapter 7. Chapter 7. Kirana sat in her room with the lights off, sobbing into her hands. She kept flashing back to scenes in the temple, and it shamed her. It had been several hours since the incident, and she still had no better idea of what had happened. I only wanted to protect everyone, and I almost ended up getting them killed. What else was I supposed to do? Colst had been so disappointed. She had seen it in his face as he left her room. Her lightsaber was gone, completely destroyed by the Dark Apprentice. She began putting rations into her belt pouches, and as she did, her hand brushed against the data card that she had stashed inside it from the library hours before. She dismissed it in anger and reached for her cloak. She heard someone step inside her room quietly, and turned to pour her anger out on her master. Instead, she looked upon the face of Willen. Going out again? I'm pretty sure I heard Master Alok tell you not to leave until morning. I think you should listen this time. Please, Kira. I need to clear my head, Will. I feel lost in a way I haven't before. I'm simply going for a run. Please don't wait, Colst. (sighs) Okay, but please don't go back to that place. I promise I'm never going to return to any dark side temple ever again. Please, now go back to bed. Willen nodded and left, leaving her to her own thoughts. She put her cloak on and walked outside, the night sounds coming from the jungle filling her with both a sense of calm and terror. As she stood staring at the moons above her, she felt the fear creeping up on her again and began to run. She did not pick a direction. She simply let the force guide her feet. 
As she ran, her mind drifted once more to her parents, and in turn, to the failure at the temple. She again lost control of her emotions, and tears flowed down her cheeks, only to be whisked away by the growing wind flying by her face. She was unsure how long she had been running, but she slowed as she broke through the jungle and into a clearing that she barely remembered. This was the long-term landing pad, used for ships that would not be making regular trips onto and off of the planet. The landing pad which she had arrived at on her first day was strictly used for supply and student delivery. There were two ships standing in the clearing. One she did not recognize, but the other was the Redemption, the ship she had arrived on. She made the decision in a split second and raced up the gangway. She slowed once on the ship, reaching out with the force to feel if any life forms were on board. Sensing none, she powered up the ship as she had seen G8 do, and then headed for the nav computer, and without thinking, plugged in the hyperspace coordinates for Apatros that she had memorized from the library. She engaged the autopilot and pressed the ignition switch, causing the ship to lurch unsteadily into the air and begin a steady climb into the atmosphere. And what are you doing with this ship? Speak now, or I will end your worthless midnight life. She turned slowly and saw G8 standing behind her, a blaster rifle clutched in its hands. As his photoreceptors processed who she was, his demeanor suddenly seemed to change. Oh, Mistress Kira, I did not recognize you. My apologies, miss. It's okay, G8, but why are you holding the blaster rifle? I thought you were a protocol droid. I am programmed for defense of this ship. Or Master of the Lock. I assure you, I would not have fired on you unless you were right. Uh, that's good, G8. Thanks. I know I am but a humble protocol droid, but I did not receive any orders from Master of the Lock about having the ship for departure. May I ask what you're doing? I'm running away, G8. I made a mistake coming here. Okay, but then may I ask why we are not returning to pay us both I failed my family, leaving them for this stupid, whimsical idea. I cannot return to them in failure. I read of many worlds in the library that intrigue me. I wish to visit them, and perhaps in doing so, I can find my place in this world. G8 looked at her for several moments, as if processing the information, and then replied, My programming suggests that I should accompany you as protection then. You are important to Master Alon, and therefore are to be my primary mission. Is there anything else you require of me? No, thanks, G8. I will pilot the ship then. You should go get some rest. You look exhausted. She nodded and headed to the quarters that she had used her first time on board. She changed out of her Padawan robes, and as soon as she laid her head on the pillow, she was asleep. Kulst sat up suddenly as he felt an emptiness through the Force. He stretched out, searching for Kira, Will, and the others. He felt everyone he expected to, except for Kirana. He sprang out of bed and ran to her room, then, seeing it was empty, moved to Will's room. He found the Ewok sitting in the middle of his floor, meditating. Willen, what's going on? Where's Kirana? I'm sorry, Master, I failed you. You and Kira. You haven't failed anyone, Will. This has been a very trying night, though. So if you could please just tell me what happened. He smiled warmly at Will, 
and the Ewok told him of the conversation he'd had with Kira. He looked up again sorrowfully. I never thought she would leave, Master. I truly thought she would simply walk the grounds, maybe go to the library. I am sorry. This, this is not your fault, my Padawan. You have a good heart, and we're only trying to help your grieving friend. Thank you for trying. Now, get some rest. Your training does not stop just because Kira has departed us. I will see you in the morning. After leaving Willen, Colst headed straight to the chambers of Grandmaster Chod. He would be able to guide Colst in this matter. Hopefully. He took a deep breath and knocked gently on the door, not wanting to disturb the older man if he was asleep. After only a few moments, the door was opened for him by a disheveled-looking Anmek. Colts? What's the matter? Is everything all right? Anmek, we need to talk. The older man's eyes sharpened quickly at the use of his first name, instead of his given honorific. He motioned for Colts to come inside and close the door behind them. Colts sat in a comfortable chair as Anmek pulled his seat across from his old student. Okay, my friend, what's going on? Cure has run away. Stolen the redemption with G8 still on board, it would seem. What? Onmek's response caught Colst by complete surprise. The eyes of the older man almost seeming to flash a fiery hue for a split second before he calmed himself once more. Why didn't you come to me sooner? She can't be allowed to leave. She is too important to the cause. If we lose her, we will lose ourselves. He stood up and was now speaking more to himself than to Colst. It was almost as if the younger man had disappeared from existence altogether. Anmek paced back and forth, running his fingers through his long, white hair. Colst had never seen his former master like this, and it caused him some concern. Anmek had never spoken fully of the traumas that the war he had participated in had caused him, which, before now, had never struck Colst as odd. However, as he looked at his friend, it finally dawned on him that perhaps the worst damage done to a soldier in war was invisible to the naked eye. Elgar Oryk was another obvious example, though his body had been broken in perfectly visible ways, according to the stories told. Colst cringed internally, knowing he had to finish telling the rest of the story to his already distraught former master. There is more. Several hours before she left, Kira came to me speaking of dark feelings in the Force. She felt that we were all in danger and that we must be protected, so she requested that we go investigate. Suddenly, Anmek was seated again in front of Kolst and looking at him intently once more. Kolst continued his tale. I did not believe her, Master, and told her not to go. She did not listen, and when Will and Sakuul got wind of it, they insisted on going with her. They went to investigate, and luckily, I felt them depart. They confronted two apparent Sith acolytes, who had been keeping themselves hidden in the Force, for it seems a very long time, waiting for an opportunity to strike us. At this revelation, Anmek sat back in his chair, once again running his hands through his hair. After a moment, he spoke again. How is this possible, Coast? I know the dark history of this planet, but we have cleaned it over the years using the light side training. Haven't we? Why didn't we feel the presence? I believe, Anmek, that these acolytes have been trained well and especially in the art of masking themselves in the Force. Someone did not want them to be found, Master. Finish your story, friend. I followed them and arrived in time to save them from certain death. The two acolytes were not overly powerful, but combined they were more than I could handle with Padawan still in trouble. 
so I blinded them temporarily and brought the students back here. Ahmek stared off into space for a moment, as if he was trying to view the battle somehow. Kulse spoke. Master, you and I should go eliminate the threat to us. No, that's not our way. This is your past clouding your judgment. Instead, we must double our training, ensure they have the abilities they need to defend themselves. Besides, it's unlikely that they're still here. If they hold any fear in their hearts, they will have fled by now. Yes, Master. As you wish. Rest. I will consult with you more in the morning. The trip to Apatros had taken Kira longer than she had expected. Her ability to translate distance from the star maps to actual hyperspace time was not strong. As to date, this was only her second time aboard a starship of any sort. G8 had spent most of the time running diagnostics and piloting as needed. Kira had spent the time trying to get the data card that she had taken from the library to read. It was heavily encrypted, however, which Kira found rather strange since it had been in the library a public area. The only thing that she had deciphered herself was the name scratched onto one side, Elgar Oric. She realized this must have been a personal data card for the caretaker's use. But then, why was it encrypted? After several days of trying, she finally made up her mind and went to find G8. Considering that this ship was designed to hold up to five passengers comfortably, it was a bit more of a chore than she'd have liked. As she searched the vessel, she finally heard G8 in the cargo hold. G8, can you help me with something? Of course, miss. How may I be of service? I was hoping you might be able to decrypt this data card for me. I am equipped with the most current decryption software. It should not be any trouble for me at all. He reached out, and Kira handed him the data card. He inserted it into his data reader, and she could hear the words of his processors working. Oh, I apologize, Kirana. I will need at least two standard days to decipher this information. This is very high-level encryption. Where, may I ask, did you receive this? I found it on Galtega, in the inn we stayed at. I assume another patron left it there, but maybe it will have some information that could help me. I will inform you when I have finished the decryption. Thank you, G8. Several hours later, the nav computer chimed indicating their arrival in the Savarine sector. They entered the atmosphere of Apatros, and Kira looked at G8 in the pilot's chair. Are there any settlements we can rest at? G8 looked up at her after typing into the computer for several moments. It would seem there is one settlement over here, or after a little bit of digging, there is a, how do you say, a watering hole over here. By the looks of the patrons inside, I'd say it's a smuggler's den. What do you mean by the look of the patrons? I sliced their surveillance equipment. No need to fly in blind, is there? Kira was astonished. She nodded her head in a silent answer to his question. No wonder Kulse kept this droid so close all the time. Excellent work, G8. We'll head there first, then. They land at the Redemption, and stepping out into the wind, they made their way towards the entrance of the establishment. Before they entered, Kira stopped again. Are you sure this is the correct move, G8? By my calculations, our best chance of finding individuals who are willing to work discreetly and without excessive questions is here. She nodded, and they stepped up to the door. As it slid open, the sound of music could be heard clearly, and the doorman greeted them warmly. 
Welcome to the Afterburn Bar, where we'll find you what you're looking for, even if you didn't know you were looking. She politely bowed to him, and she and G8 went inside. The bar was full of patrons, most of whom were looking for either a way to escape life's problems, or for a way to cause some. She nodded towards an open booth in a back corner, and they slipped through the crowd with ease. Kira was again surprised by how easily G8 suddenly seemed to move through the crowd, no longer the clumsy droid that he had seemed to be moments before. They reached the booth and sat down, an attractive Twi'lek woman arriving moments later to take their orders. Kira dismissed her with a polite statement and then began to scan the crowd. She really wasn't sure what she was looking for, but hoped the Force would guide her. As she opened herself up to it, she felt something tingle in the back of her mind and opened her eyes quickly. As she did, she saw a gorgeous woman step into the front entryway. A towering, dark Wookiee stood behind her, and as she watched, they both moved with a purpose to a back room entrance just over Kira's right shoulder. Stay here, G8. I'll be back in a moment. She did not feel comfortable using the Force in public, and at least not more than she had to. One never knew who was around, so she pulled the curtain open and slipped inside the back room, doing her very best to stay hidden. She saw the woman and the Wookiee seated at a table with a muscular blue-skinned Twi'lek and two women who had ornately decorated helmets set in front of them on a table. She stayed in the shadows, but even as she settled into a position she could eavesdrop from, the Wookiee sniffed the air, and then she heard a voice come from a box clipped to a chain that hung around its neck. Someone is here. He looked straight at Kira, and she knew she had been caught. She stepped out of the shadows with her arms raised in surrender. My name's Siema. I'm looking for work. I was told you're the ones to speak to. If that were the case, why would you be hiding? I'm new to this stuff. I wanted to be sure that you were trustworthy employers. We could use another grunt. Let Ozzy take some days off from the hard work. We can't pay you well, but we won't ask any questions either. That seems like more than enough payment for you, am I right? Kirana nodded at her, mesmerized by the woman's eyes. Taken aback by the girl's actions, Ness gathered herself to answer, hoping no one had noticed her fumbling. Is that good? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Head through the door behind us and you'll find yourself a room. Welcome to the Hunters. Ness did her best to keep her composure throughout the conversation with the young woman. She couldn't have been much younger than Ness, but the innocence that she saw behind her teal eyes had made her seem much younger at first glance. She'd noticed the attractive woman at the back of the bar when they'd entered, but it'd been years since Nasala had tried to find romance. Her focus was on her current job, and the restoration of her reputation, and nothing else would distract her. She looked over at the crew once the girl had left, they looked less than pleased. What? What are you doing? We don't need any more bodies involved in this damn plan. I am aware of that, and in theory you are correct. However, for the sake of argument, let's assume that we have a job where a mountain of Wookiees won't go unnoticed. Like everywhere. So in those moments, wouldn't it be nice to have another body to cover our backs? The other three looked at each other and nodded in agreement. Once again, proving you're a step ahead. Good work, Ness. Okay, so we keep the whelp around. What's next with our other new recruit? He wants us to meet this mystery man, so we'll let him introduce us. It'll be a good way to test the girl as well. Well then, let's go get old Nato to start singing, shall we? 
You three get him to squeal. Shouldn't be hard if memory serves. I'm going to make sure the new girl's comfortable and ready for her first job. As Ness arrived at the only room left upstairs that had been unfilled, she knocked on the door twice. Once hearing a response from inside, she stepped into the room. She immediately noticed a protocol droid standing next to the girl, but a model she did not recognize, and looked quizzically at the girl. Oh, hi. I didn't expect to see you so soon. This is my companion, G8. The girl spoke nervously, her face flushed red as she spoke to Ness. Ness nodded to the droid, then looked back at Seema. I'm gonna have a question that's going to seem strange, but you can't tell anyone else about. Can you do that? Um, sure. I'm looking for Cortosis, a very rare metal that was once mined from this planet. Do you know where I can maybe find some? Now Ness was the one who was intrigued. Who would want any of the worthless metal that was found here? Quickly, her mind arrived at the most logical answer, though she kept it to herself. I may know how to find you some, but wait until after the next mission. If you perform well, then we can discuss your finding of Cortosis. Now, I have a question for you. What's your real name? I won't tell the others, but you're not fooling me one bit. <laughs> that bad, huh? Yeah, you're just lucky that the other three were already deep into their glasses when you showed up. Ozzy and me knew right away. My name is Kirana. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nasala Como, at your service. I look forward to seeing what you can do, Kirana. With that, Ness stepped out of the room and closed the door behind her. This girl is going to get me in all kinds of trouble. Back inside the room, Kira sat back on her bed, a smile crossing her face. Her heart raced, and it confused her. Oh, why do I feel like this? What would Master Halak tell me? I cannot be certain what Master Halak would say, but I have heard him speak often of compassion and love. He once said that they are the true human workings of the Jedi Knight. They are greatest tools, in fact. I'm sorry, miss. I hope that helped. Taking a deep breath, she forced herself into meditation, pushing all the distractions away and focusing only on calming her mind. Vos Nezagoth had spent many days pouring through the holocron of Darth Bane. Currently, the Dark Lord was once again driving home another of his lessons. Deception is one of the greatest tools the Sith can use. A true Dark Lord of the Sith does not need to confront his enemies directly. He will use others to do so for him. Secrecy, manipulation, and distraction are powerful tools in the battle against the Jedi. Voss noticed that even though this holocron was hundreds of years older than the one that he had found of Darth Sidious, this seemed more powerful. It did not, however, seem to interact in the same way that Palpatine's had. This holocron was simply a teaching tool. It did not seem to adapt to his input as much. Currently, he was learning the logic behind the rule of two, and most importantly, how to become a true Sith. From these teachings, he had learned that the Sith acolytes that had started the war with the Jedi so many years before were doomed to fail from the start. The light side had to be destroyed through the old ways, not through direct conflict. The light side grew stronger the more individuals you collected together, whereas the dark side grew weaker the more individuals tapping into its power. Culling the herd was to be his next task, so as to consolidate the dark side into two beings, 
he and his eventual chosen apprentice would conquer the light in the same way Bane and Sidious had done. Only this time, he would establish a foundation that would keep the dark side in power for an eternity. He returned to his studies. As you learn these tools of the dark side, you will become more comfortable with your power until you have reached your full potential, and even afterwards, you will need to know how to mask your power. You must truly mask it though, so that even if the most powerful Jedi of your time was standing next to you, they would not be able to notice a difference between you and the person next to you. These are the exercises to do so. Instructions began to appear. A lesson on the proper techniques to completely hide one's power. It would take weeks of training to learn how to do so without effort or thought, however. He smiled again to himself. These Jedi will finally have the reckoning. I will end this facade of peace they project. Peace is a lie. Next, my apprentice. Force lightning. It is one of the most powerful weapons in a Sith's arsenal. Here are my notes on how I created some of my most powerful force storms. Powerful enough to destroy a dozen enemies at once. Voss thought about the power he described and shuddered in anticipation. The image of Darth Bane paused, drawing Voss's attention back to it. One last thing, my young apprentice. There is a man you should seek out. He will be able to help you find information that perhaps you cannot find otherwise. His name is Kabek Nanlin. <laughs>